0: episode
1: 380 of the Dr. A-Doctor-Door podcast. My name is David, and I'm here with
0: my Hello.
1: Today we're going to talk about the first episode of The Armageddon Factor.
0: Yes, the sixth episode of the Gita Dawn. We open with a melodramatic space soap opera, I'm talking about a couple and their man is like going off to war and to fight for Atreus and uh, blah 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 goes on and uh, then back in er, in the TARDIS the Doctor and Romana are um, talking of Atreus and the twin planet Zeos and, and uh, she said wouldn't they teach you anything in the academy? they um the twin planets of this system, and so they are um, tracking down where they they go with this with the sixth segment. We go back to the soap opera, and our image pans out from the screen to show a bigger room, a dark, dirty, dingy, broken down, dusty room full of patients in various stages of being helped or or dying. Uh, it's a hospital ward of sorts, and they're under fire. There's uh, bombing, and debris falls down from the, the roof, and very bad state. Then our scene shifts to uh, computer readouts and screens, and uh, in the control room, and reports are being radioed in from different sections and sectors of damages and being under fire, and one is such as a hospital. This ward has been, has been bombed and damaged. There is a man in a very big red uh, uniform with a shiny eagle on it. And he is called the Marshal. And he is waging this war. Um there's a, a young woman in a, a long purple gown with a circlet on her head, and we learn that she's Princess Astra. She goes to the marshal and wants to go to the hospital to, to see help the wounded, and um, the marshal argues with her and says, oh, you shouldn't be going anywhere and unescorted, and um, they have words about she's saying how they need to work towards peace that war has been gone on for so long and there's so many people dying and being injured and he says well you need to win peace not just ask for it and they have more words about that he does allow her to go but she must have a guard with her and he taunts her and says I'm sure that Surgeon Merrick would be happy to um, to see you again, or something like that. Um, so she travels over to the hospital ward, at the ward, on the TV screen, and after the soap opera, the Marshal comes on and he talks about the war and their damages and their fight against Zeus. And he addresses his people. Princess hears that and scoffs, his people what's he talking about? So she comes, walks, tours the hospital ward and assesses the damage and addresses Surgeon Merrick and says, why are these people brave soldiers laying on the floor? It's like, well, there aren't beds, your highness. And then he finds a a reason to um, get her off in another room and they have some time alone. He says he needs to check her um, Rad counter, I think he calls it rad check, a bracelet she that uh, she has on that um, has kind of a, ba- a light in it, and so there when they're together, he she says, "Oh, I was so worried. I heard the hospital ward was being bombed, and I was, are you all right?" Um. He asks her about her contacts to Zeus, and she says that. She's, she's tried and tried to contact them uh, to try to work for a piece and their transmissions just seem to are blocked or they seem to just go nowhere and this why, they have no idea why meanwhile the marshal is talking to his uh, second command Major Shap, and he's looking for a lost fleet and he says no no word of the lost fleet um, Marshal," and he says something was blocking um they can't get to the fleet. They can't find out where they are. Something is blocking it. Something were in the way. The doctor and Romana um, materialize TARDIS and they open the view screens. Well, they should be parked somewhere above Atrials um, and going to get the segment. But when they look, there's uh, just empty black space and no sign of the planet. And then Ramana thinks there's something terribly, terribly wrong. The doctor comes to that realization as well. Um, and Ramana wonders about the Black Guardian. Um, the doctor says, "Well, you know it, yeah, it looks like something has gone really wrong, something fairly serious." So he says that they take different readings and then they try again. The readings seem to change. And then there's uh, Atrius on the screen, but it's miles and miles away. So he says, Well, I think we'll take it in on the manual so it flies as it's hard as stand closer. Shep um, has picked up a vessel on the screen, and Marshall is sure that it's, it's a Xeon battleship of some kind or something. So he says, Get it into range and we'll shoot it down. Marshall touches the collar and then the, his neck by his high collar and and then he walks over and he goes to a mirror kind of a strange kind of shimmery mirror and uh, starts talking to himself and talking to the mirror and talking how the princess was is getting in his way and, and um, he doesn't know what to do with her and he seems to be getting some kind of a response from the mirror. And then he excuses himself from the control room and says he has a matter of state to deal with. So there's a guard with Princess Astra, and he gets a radio call. Uh, Seems like it might be from Marshall. Um, And he's escorting her to the children's ward to visit the sick children and he says oh there's a change in plans princess that the children have been moved to this other ward um, K ward and she says oh wasn't that closed down long ago because of radiation she's like "Ah, that's my orders those are my orders Uh, the doctor and Ramana um, they're reading the planet and she says oh the radiation levels are an extreme uh, amount and there must be a nuclear war down on the planet's surface. And the doctor says, oh, you're such a pessimist and talks about being optimistic and then find out that the worst is really happening. (laughs) Um, But then he realizes that they they may have uh, some type of a war situation down the planet. So the guard takes Princess Astra to the abandoned ward and, uh, she says, it doesn't look like there's any children in there. Says, I'm sorry, but you must go in. It's my, or- it's my orders. So she enters uh, the room, and the guard locks her in. He turns around, and the marshal is behind him. The marshal shoots and kills the guard. And uh, we see the princess is now locked in this room, and her rad counter, or rad check, is alarm is sounding and flashing. Shep, uh, Shap, I mean, um, tells the marshal that the ship is in range. So the marshal has, uh, gone back to the control room and it says, Vaporize it! and Shap says, well, shouldn't we try to apprehend the ship and people on it and ask them and you know, interrogate them? No, vaporize it! So they fire upon the ship, which is the TARDIS. Uh, and the TARDIS, um... The doctor and, the, and Ramana see something heading towards them. He says, oh, a welcome party? He says, no, nine, what is it? He says, oh, it's a nuclear warhead. Impact in three, two, <laughs> immediate. So they uh, put the tracer in the console to land as close to the segment as they can, and they dematerialize. The marshal thinks, oh, they got it, because they see the uh, blast on their screen. But Shap says, I'm not so sure. I think I saw it disappear before impact. But Marshall doesn't want to hear any of it. So they exit the TARDIS, and the doctor turns to Ramana and says, Don't say it. Like, what? Another underground passage? And she says, Well, how far down do you think we are? And K9 says, like, 400 meters or something. And how. he just makes some weird noises and then he says that um, there's a bomb that goes off and th- rocks the area and uh, K-9 says how it's uh, high but variable radiation levels and it's affecting him as well they uh, say oh well if it's like this down here you know, how, what must the surface be like they find the guard that is dead outside of the room. They try the tracer, and it points through a locked lead doorway. So K-9, the doctor has K-9 make a, a hole in the door, and K-9 prepares to blast. He says, well, a little hole. We don't know what's on the other side. And the marshal is at his mirror talking to himself again. When Shapp tries to uh, get his attention and he touches his shoulder and disturbs him, and really freaks out the Marshall says, don't, don't ever do that. Um, but he tells him that there's news of an alarm in K-Block. It's like, why would anyone want to get into K-Block? Because that's the highest radiation level area there is. Marshall says, seal it off. I'll deal with it myself. As he goes to exit the control room, he says, And bring that traitor Merrick to me, too. Chap seems surprised at him calling yeah. Merrick the traitor. So, K9 has drilled the little hole, and we see from our K9 side of the door, um, looking in, and I looks out, and we hear voicings. So, Help me, whoever you are. The doctor looks in goes to look in the hole and then sees and um, turns around to tell Romana and instead tells Romana there's a man standing behind you and the marshal is there with the gun trained on him and he says put your hand tells Romana put your hands up so the doctor and Romana get up with their hands up and point to the guard and say he's dead um the marshal says, "When you'll die for that?" He says, "No, we didn't do it. You don't think we did it?" And, um, I don't know what is what the question was? I'm sorry. And, um, and so they're obviously getting mixed up in this right away. Um, K nine moves off into the shadows, out of the way. Marshal takes them to the control room. And he says how that was very um, unstable area and very high radiation. Um, you shouldn't be in there. And so the doctor says, "Oh well, he's just saved our lives." And he says, "No one saved you, Zeon spies." And he says you be you're to be executed. Um, and then they bring in Merak. and he says, "You know, don't you know them? Are they your your?" Um, your fellow spies, and he says, No, I've never seen him before. Why, why should I? And then he tells them that the princess was missing, and these two were found with the body of the princess's guard who had just been killed. The princess is lying on the floor, sleeping because of the radiation, I guess, or just because she's trapped, and a panel opens in the wall behind her. The um, canine is uh, traveling through the the hallways. We see some beams and other things fall as he passes by, so it's a very unstable area. The doctor and the marshal are having words, and he, the doctor says, Oh, no, I think that's quite enough after a long journey. Um, he's tired of answering his questions and saying, you know, tries to be flippant about why they're there, and he says, tourism, and uh, Marshall's having none of that, so he finally says, well, I think that this time for us to leave. K-9, and K-9 gets there, and uh, hits the control box with his blaster, knocks out the lights, so the Doctor and Romana can run back to the TARDIS, um, uh, and back down the hallways, from the open panel with the princess we see a black clad figure with a black half mask uh, over his face comes and he drags Princess Astra into the panel area and they dematerialize the doctor and Romana get back to where they left the TARDIS and the TARDIS is gone and we end so we start the 6th segment episode, um, I think that, uh, it flows pretty well. We're, um, we're thrown right in the middle of this war between the two planets Mm -hmm. that we learn about right away, and I think it, um... It flows really well. I think there's in- the interest in the story. Not helped by the space soap opera, really. But there's an interest anyway.
1: And I, I don't entirely understand the presence of the soap opera bit at the beginning.
0: I'm guessing that it is probably like a... Um, showing uh, state-sponsored television mm. to... Um, sway the the populace that you know the war is good the war is just you know we need to fight for our happiness and together I gotcha because it's I didn't see it
1: that way to me it felt like at best maybe they were trying to uh, contrast I guess the
0: war and misery around them
1: well the, the happiness in the in the show Versus the war and misery, in yeah. their real lives.
0: Yeah, it, well, it could be probably serve that purpose too. I think its ultimate goal. Yeah, is I wasn't just seeing it as propaganda. propaganda,
1: but it, you could be right there.
0: Um, and you know, it's like this is the like people that are fighting. this everyone believes in it, and look what wonderful lives they lead. And you know, I I think the. The sets of um, the control room are, you know, very ordinary military, you know, space military mm-hmm. type banks of monitors and readouts and um, radio uh, transmission type things, and a a big map of uh, like the war zones that lights up red when there where there are strikes. Um, yeah, and in
1: fact, oddly enough, they use pretty much the same radiation symbol that we use.
0: How about that?
1: Yeah, yeah. It's amazing just, coincidence.
0: It really is a universal symbol, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Um. But I think that it it looks really good. Um, I mentioned the Marshall's very uh, very red, uh, bright. Uh, outfit is a uh, tunic and then black pants, and but it's got the same like iridescent shiny eagle. Uh, uh, e- yeah, the the eagle's made of this uh, like tape, mm-hmm. I guess, um, strips of this shiny metal material that's ir- iridescent as well. That they used they uh, they also used it in some of the little detail on the uniforms that the refinery people wore in the power of crawl they had little squares of it in, in like a little plasticky thing to look like a little decal on their st- on their thing and then they had some stripes across so uh, somebody found that and they're putting it to a lot of use i believe <laughs> um <laughs> maybe they found it in a craft store or a fabric area or say like, "Ooh, let's use this it's shiny and you know sparkly
1: they must have
0: peels to the magpie in me. Uh-huh. I have to say, but uh, and I think they have the same uh, narrower strips of that along the like the um, the yoke that comes down over uh, the um, the uh, torso area of the princess's long gown. I think it also has the little shiny strips. Oh, did it down. And then Shaf has some on his Mm -hmm. uniform. His uniform is all black and very broad-shouldered and everything, so very um, military-might displayed in in how they look. Um, And then that's contrasted with the the, uh, drab conditions of the war-torn hospital. Um, So I, I think they have the... This dichotomy of in place of, of this um, the shiny and right versus the the reality the grimy reality of of this um, war that's taking place. Um, so I think that's very good so far. Um, and then of, of course we right away we have a princess in. Uh, damsel in distress, mm-hmm. you know, situation. Played by? Played by uh, the Honorable Sarah Ward, mm-hmm. <laughs> pressed from her, her father was lord, I think. Yes. Mm-hmm. So, um, who would better known as Lala Ward, mm-hmm. I think is how she would say mm-hmm. her name, who um, we will come to know as someone else, and... Later after the series became Mrs. Tom Baker for a while
1: not for very long not though.
0: for very long they say no but um, anyway uh, as you mentioned though they they do have a lot of shots of just her in and like making some point about showing her off or something I'm not quite sure yeah
1: I'm not sure either the director made some odd direct or directorial decisions
0: yeah in the
1: conversation she had with uh was it Shap?
0: or the guard the guard
1: whoever it was they were having a conversation but the camera would stay on her
0: yeah and it was mostly like profile too wasn't
1: it uh yes it was her profile
0: yeah that was kind of strange So we have that situation. We have the dichotomies of war. That we have the, the princess who wants peace, who's not really in control of her own people. Mm-hmm. Marshal's in control. A very interesting situation to uh, to start with, I think, for a first episode. How so? Huh? What do
1: you mean?
0: Well, I think it's a very involved situation already within, mm. like, the first couple scenes. You don't
1: think it makes it a little overly complicated?
0: Um, not, not yet.
1: But I'm okay I with think, it. I think, I think, it's think it,
0: it is a complicated story.
1: I think they've made it easily understood, But though. I think
0: you can follow along pretty well so far. Mm. And it, uh alludes to some things that we find out later in the story uh, pretty well, some foreshadowing without being obvious, too heavy-handed, I think.
1: Yeah, I think so, so far anyway. Um, Having said that, though, I don't remember everything that happens in this story, so. Right, right.
0: I remember more vaguely how some things happened near the end, but some of the other um, bits I, I don't remember as well either. Yeah. So, um, we have a couple, uh, well, attempts at, at humor from with the Dr. Luan and K-9, um, Not it, not it, not great, you know, um he says the thing about the welcoming party when it's a missile, you know shot at them and oh, is that a welcoming party when they talk about the being optimistic or not, and <laughs> um ask what k nine ask k nine what optimism is, and says you know it's. A, goes on and on. This is a belief that uh, everything is um, always the brighter side. This is verging on insanity. <laughs> <laughs> he says. So we, again, doctor tells him to shut up. So Why did you program him like that then? Um, the best best we get is uh, I think when The, the doctor is confronted with the marshal and he says well, why are you here why were you in that that area that that board that block of K block?" and um, he says oh well, just 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 looking about um, else he says and then he, he he says I'm not you know, we're not armed he says and he starts going through his pockets a bit and he pulls out his dog whistle says, except the dog whistle and holds it out for them for the marshal to blow on it. And the marshal calls Shap over. So Shap yeah. kind of like comes over and hesitant and like, I can't believe he's making me blow on this whistle. Blows on it and nothing happens, he says. But that kind of makes me laugh at the poor Shap. You know, he just looks so confused and mm-hmm. irritated at the same time. Like, oh my God, I have to do this? Yeah. You know. Uh, and then he throws it on the ground and the doctor goes to pick it up and he says, why are you really here? It's like, and he jumps up and says, tourism. I own a, a, a small, you know, tourist um, company who take people to, you know, battles, present, past, watch civilizations di- die, that sort of thing. <laughs> All very profitable, says Ruman, and she plays along, so, oh yes definitely but not a lot of humor from from the Time Lords I have to say Mm-mm. but it's alright
1: I actually thought it was a little too much like they were trying too hard to be funny
0: yeah it seemed like it, it usually comes a little more naturally and it mm-hmm. didn't seem like that's the case this time right more strained. Do you have anything else?
1: No, not yet. Nothing I can think of. Yeah.
0: It feels like a lot happened, but there's just not a lot else to talk about other than, you know, the recap of the story at this point. I
1: I don't know. I, I don't feel like there a whole lot happened. We had a whole lot of discussion, yeah. and that I think that's what contributes to making it feel like a lot happened, but really not a lot did.
0: Uh, true. maybe I want to say that we saw a lot about the um, the home people the, the Atreans. atrians, you know I think we, we learned about what's going on there. Yeah. And saw a lot of different examples of what's going on there. And our party, too, uh, witnessing some of the things that are happening because of this war and princesses being um, Im- shut up in this uh, radiation war to get rid of her. And, and then it starts getting into a little more detail of different things So as we head on to more of the story feel we'll find out more and I feel like uh, we want to know um, a little more as we get to our ending and then think about the next one. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't have a whole lot else to say about it right now.
1: Shall we do the cliffhanger? Mm
0: Mm-hmm. Which is the 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 Tardis is missing. TARDIS is missing. In fact, I, I said to you, it's like, okay, did I miss that the TARDIS got covered with rubble? Because they look and it's like a, just a big heap of broken beams and rocks and styrofoam rocks and, you know, everything uh, where they thought the TARDIS would be. So it's like, was that supposed to be that it got covered by stuff? And you said, I hadn't missed the TARDIS being covered by rubble. If you missed it, I missed it. Um, The only thing I could remember was when TARDIS TARDIS was, when K-9 was heading down the hallway on his way to the control room following after the Dr. Romana, we see him uh, go by a section that um, a beam falls down and other rubble and dust and debris uh, starts to collapse as he goes by. So I guess it's supposed to uh, lead us to believe that the TARDIS might be covered by stuff, or it's just missing, and it's more rubble in the area that uh, is behind it. So, how effective that is, I don't know. But has it been? It hasn't been that long since the Doctor and Ramana have been separated from the TARDIS. So has it? For a while, it happened all the time. Right. But I think it's been a while since it's been maybe taken or somehow moved. It's been a while. Yeah, I think it was the last time with the Master. Mm. It
1: feels like there should have been a time with Tom Baker, if nothing else. Mm. But I can't think of when it would have been. have to think on that for a bit.
0: Well, the the, the sisterhood took it in the um, brain and Mor- mind of Morbius. Brain, brain of Morbius. And Morbius. That's right, the first time. Should have Brain of Morbius, they, they captured the TARDIS, take it away from him for a bit. Remember?
1: Mm. Yeah. That, to
0: that, was they for it. One. Hmm? that was a Stereo one. Yeah. I'm pretty sure there's another one with a maybe. Yeah. It it hasn't happened as as often as it used to. Oh do. no,
1: they've moved away from that style yeah. of story. If anything, I think it makes the Doctor more noble and heroic, knowing that he stays there even though he could leave.
0: Yeah, that's in most situations.
1: Where the first Doctor, it often seemed like the only reason he was doing something was because he had to in order to get the TARDIS back, so, for example. <laughs> yeah,
0: that was the only way. It was like, you know, hold his means of escape hostage is the only way he's going to help you. Um, so not so much with the second Doctor. A little bit with the third that just that he was stuck for so long with TARDIS, he couldn't go anywhere. But then when he did, it's like he he got stuck in the TARDIS instead st- of out of it. Yeah. <laughs> or he got, uh, he was
1: he was trapped in the machine in Carnival of Monsters, for mm-hmm. example.
0: He wasn't, wasn't all that keen to help others when he did go places. You know, he found himself doing it but he really wanted to just do it, and get it done and, and leave and um we here I think we have he's traveling to travel except well, except we've got the key to time, you know, special purpose. Special mission. But um traveling to travel. And almost to get involved with people, with others, mm-hmm. you know. And even though he says he doesn't, he wouldn't dream of interfering. You know, he he does, and he does seem to like it. Even though once the kind of things are wrapped up, he is really quick to leave. <laughs> Sometimes, really quick to say goodbye and go. Uh, but I can see how. Your point that it makes him seem like he's sticking it out. He's, you know, he's there to help. He's, you know, he could leave, but he's he's choosing to stay and resolve this and help the people out. So, TARDIS is gone. Yeah. What can we say? We don't even know who took it or where it could be. There's no... Assuming it was taken. Yeah. But there's no information to let it lead us to believe one thing or another you know we haven't met unless it's the marshal but i I doubt that um he doesn't even think they have a ship because he thinks they got blown out of the sky or whatever so uh, it's interesting and effective in that way is that in that we have no real clue as to what could have happened to it at this point Nothing leading up to it. No, Mm-mm. no, yeah, just enemy sort of surprised it. On us. Could have known about it or anything like that. Just a, a complete surprise. It and you know, it's gone. So that's pretty good. Or fair enough. For it's a, fair for enough. A way to yeah,
1: end. I guess ending on a surprise is okay.
0: Yeah, I think part of the um, effectiveness of the ending is what happens before that where we see Princess Astra dragged into the transmat uh, uh, behind that panel by the black-clad, masked person and dematerialized, which leads to more questions. So, you kind of have a dual thing, you know, dual ending, really. So, I... Uh, cliffhanger kind of for the locals cliffhanger for our protagonists so
1: mm-hmm.
0: pretty good place place to stop
1: yeah no so not good. too bad
0: yeah
1: and that's where we will end join us on Monday when we talk about episode 2 of the Armageddon Factor maybe we'll find out what happened to Princess Astra mhm And maybe the
0: TARDIS.
1: (laughs) Join us in, and thank you for listening.